Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Darker Demons. And we're almost to the end now, probably only have one or two more shows after this, so I hope you've been enjoying it, and I hope you'll finish listening and maybe buy the book. And we'll pick up now with 21. Magdalene has been here. She's more powerful than we realized. She sent three of our sisters to the Akashic realm. The rest are in hiding, attempting to regain their strength. Heartbroken, Alexander tells her, this is my fault. I am so sorry. I will finish this alone. I'll leave for Scotland immediately. Holding her, Dawn says, it's not your fault and you'll do no such thing. We are going to Scotland together, the three of us. Alexandra turns to Oleander asking, is this true? Do you want to risk your life for this? The witch answers saying, this is not your quest alone, Alexandra. This concerns all who are trapped here, all those who wish to come here but find the path, put an end to it, to reopen the gateways. It is the hour, and we are the chosen. Oleander is right. It is time, Alexandra says. Magdalene has chased Alexandra from Cadiz to New Orleans, growing more desperate with each thwarted attempt to capture the witch. Expecting to at least find Claire in New Orleans, she instead confronted by a group of young, inexperienced witches. She is too tired to bother with them and simply leaves them with a warning, saying, if I find out you are hiding Alexandra, I will return and I will not be pleased. Debating whether to return to Scotland or head to France to find Lucian, she chooses France. Acknowledging she is unable to catch Alexandra off guard, she hopes to enlist his help. Not knowing exactly where Lucian is, Magdalene heads for the coven home in Marseille. The witches greet her in a non-committal manner. They are not friendly, nor do they send her away. She asks to speak to the head of the group and is taken to a witch named Tantaris. Magdalene is entranced by the witch's beauty, making it difficult for her to answer when asked, Why have you come to Marseille, monsieur? Stumbling over the words, Magdalene answers, I am, I was, I had heard the witches in Marseille surpass all others in beauty. I must say, I find this to be true. Frowning, Tentaris replies, Please do not waste your false flattery on me. I see your heart is dark, and I demand to know what it is you are after. Flustered, Magdalene tries again. Please, it is not false flattery. You are beautiful beyond any other. I only wished for a chance to gaze upon such beauty. In spite of herself, Tentaurice is flattered by Magdalene's words. Very well, you have been given that opportunity. Now you may go. Magdalene replies, well, that is true. Spending a few hours in your company would allow me to die a happy man. Perhaps death is what you are after, Tentaurice answers since he refused to obey my words and leave me in peace. Magdalene senses she is winning the witch over and says, leaving you in peace would leave me brokenhearted. Let us at least share a glass of wine and I will leave immediately after. 
Pentaris is uncertain. She is tempted by the handsome man she sees standing before her, yet she senses a duality, a darkness inside of him. Finally, making up her mind, she nods her head slightly and tells Magdalene, just one glass, then I mustn't, must insist you go. Smiling, Magdalene holds out her hand and Pentaris accepts it. The two stroll down to the waterfront and find a small restaurant with a view of the harbor. Once seated, Magdalene takes Tentaris's hand and lifts it to her lips, kissing each finger as she stares into the witch's eyes. Her will weakens. Tom senses an opportunity and reasserts himself. She's lying to you. The witch Magdalene is in the possession of my body. She's looking for Alexandra. She... Tom doesn't get the chance to finish. Tentaris leaps up from her chair and orders Magdalene to leave. Leave me and leave Marseille now, she commands. In a fury, Magdalene reaches out and grabs the witch's hair. Pulling a knife out of her pocket, she is about to plunge it into her heart when Tom stops her. Struggling to get his spirit under control, she is too weak to hold on to Tentaris. She lets go, and Tentaris immediately makes her escape. People are shouting at the waitress to call the police. Some are getting up from their chairs and heading towards Magdalene. Closing her eyes, she wills herself to Scotland. Exhausted, she collapses on the bed and falls deeply into sleep. Returning to their hotel, Jake and Samir are unaware of Magdalene's proximity. They plan on meeting for dinner after they have had time to rest and process the events of the day. Jake's recently acquired emotions are churning his insides, turning them from steel to butter. Remembering Alexandra's spectral image, he aches to touch her. His fingers remember the texture of her skin. His mouth still tastes her lips. His love for her is a sudden downpour in a desert, filling the space inside him he hadn't realized was empty. Closing his eyes, he remembers times they were together when he should have been savoring every ounce of her. Instead, he had simply taken her presence for granted, the memory of his affair with Caitlin sits coldly on his heart. He falls asleep and dreams of Alexandra. They are together in a room with red curtains. He hears the sound of the sea outside. Holding her, he feels complete. She turns her head to look up at him. Her lips are moving, but he doesn't understand what she is saying. Wake up, Jake, Samir says again, shaking his shoulder. Groggily, Jake opens his eyes. What, did something happen? No, it's just time for dinner, Samir tells him. The short walk to the restaurant gives Jake a little time to shake off his dream. Samir notices the preoccupied expression on Jake's face. You seem to be somewhere far away, he tells his friend. Grinning, Jake answers, I was dreaming about Alexandra when you woke me up. We were someplace warm in a room by the ocean. I didn't recognize it. Samir answers, let's hope it was a premonition. Sighing heavily, Jake says, I have a feeling we will get the answers to all of our questions soon. Whether they are the ones we want remains to be seen. Alexandra and the two witches of Cadiz board the plane to Scotland. Turning to dawn, Alexandra asks, Remind me, why are we traveling this way? Patting her hand, Dawn answers, 
It's the safest and least taxing way to travel. Every time we will ourselves through time and space, it creates a ripple which can be detected by others of our kind. This way we are cloaked. And besides, it's much more relaxing. Relaxing for you, maybe, Alexandra replies. I hate it. Just think about your demon. You should be with him soon, Dawn says. Closing her eyes, Alexandra does just that. She sees herself in the room with red curtains. Jake is with her. He has his arms around her. Her head rests gently on his chest. Stroking her hair, he whispers how much he loves her. Saying he could never live without her, he lifts her chin and lowers, lowers his lips to hers. He turns her back to him, exposing her scar. He runs his tongue over the crenulated flesh that tastes of burning hot stones. His teeth gently pierce the skin, feeding on the current of life running through her. Gasping, she feels a sudden jolt and awakens to find the plane is flying through a thunderstorm. Trembling from the remnants of the dream and the sudden fear of the lurching plane, Alexandra asks, how much longer? We're almost there, Dawn tells her. Don't worry. This is just a little bad weather. We'll pass through it shortly. Regaining her equilibrium, Alexandra says, we should plan what we are going to do when we arrive in Scotland. Leaning over Dawn, Oleander says, it is really up to you. You are the key. The decision is yours. When we arrive, it will be late. We should just stay in Edinburgh. First thing tomorrow, we will head to Rosslyn Chapel. I believe Jake will look for us there. The book suggested the lock could be found there as well. I feel Magdalene is in Scotland. She'll be expecting us too. Dawn asks, will you recognize her? Nodding sadly, Alexandra answers, yes, she has taken the form of a dear friend of mine. It breaks my heart to think of what has to be done to stop her. Oleander says, we are sorry for that, but she has already taken several souls whom we loved. Alexander answers, I know, and I still blame myself for all of this. Dawn shakes shakes her head, telling Alexandra, the only fault rests with the witch Eve who tried to take a human through the gateway. She robbed us all of our freedom. Now it's almost over. What if I fail, Alexandra asks. There is no guarantee we will solve the riddle and find the lock. And even if we do, Magdalene or Lucian or someone else could stop us. Dawn says, we will succeed. I have faith in you. Another lightning bolt sizzles outside the window of the plane as it dips and rises like a roller coaster. Attempting to distract herself, Alexandra tells Dawn she doesn't quite understand why controlling the gateway is so important to so many. What is it they hope to gain, she asks. Dawn explains, imagine having the ability to travel anywhere in the universe in a few seconds. Imagine you are the only one in the world who has this gift. You could journey to any world amassing untold wealth. You could use your fortune to build an army and rule the world. The earth would belong to you. But once the passages are open, won't others want to come to earth the way they once did, Alexander asks. Yes, I expect they will, but there are ways to close the portals. If you closed all but one and kept that securely guarded, you could keep others out, Dawn explains. Oleander joins the conversation, saying, And imagine the chaos if, when, all of the gateways are reopened at once. 
Humans will panic. They won't understand what's happening. Everything they believe in, their gods, their governments, their truths, all will be torn away. If you have control of the passages, you can gain control of humanity. They will follow anyone who makes them feel safe again, who can provide them with answers. I see. So what happens if I am the one who is supposed to have the answers and I have none, Alexandra asks. Claire and Rosalind board a plane bound for Scotland. Leaving the witches of Racine to guard Lucienne, Claire knows if he manages to escape, he will come after both of them. He also knows if they succeed in keeping him captive until the gateway is open, he will accept the outcome and leave them alone. How will we find Alexandra once we're in Scotland, Rosalind asks. Claire answers, Lorelei's veil has grown weaker. I believe she must have passed over. Once we are closer to Alexandra, I should be able to locate her. At least I hope so. Time is growing very short now. Without warning, Rosalind asks, did you and Lucian ever have an affair? Laughing, Claire answers, no, Rosalind, we never did. What would make you ask that? I don't know. It just occurred to me you understand him very well, like someone you've been intimate with, Rosalind asks. Claire shakes her head and tells the younger witch, we have known each other for a very long time. I was close to Lorelai, that's all. He left Alexandra in my care because of our friendship. He knew I would love her as I would my own child. Smiling, Rosalind answers, we all love her. I know you do. Now, easy, oh, that's another story, Claire says, shaking her head and laughing. Rosalind says, tell me about him. What was it like to have a demon lover? Okay, I think that's all the time we have for this time. Oh, I hope you'll tune in next week and the week after to hear the rest of Darker Demons.